Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflection from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Cameron Norris. Welcome, Cameron. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Awesome, awesome. What an exciting day. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. But before we break open the bread of life, let me invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts that we're able to see what we're to see, hear what we're to hear, and then put love into action. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, into our hearts and enkindle in our hearts the fire of your love. Set them ablaze in your love that we may be instruments of salvation of souls this day used by the Lord, that we may bring the love, the mercy, the compassion that the Father wants in this world visible in, through, and with Jesus Christ working in our lives. Father, we ask and invite the Holy Spirit to be part of this as we break open the bread of life so that we're able to see where to see, to hear where to hear, and then put love into action. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cameron, do you mind giving us a little gospel love? Of course, I would love to. Again, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and salutation, rabbi, As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master in Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. As you were reading this, I recall the sentence, call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. And you know, as a Catholic, we call our priest father. I call my dad at home father. That always confused me when I read this. I'm like, oh, am I doing wrong? But you see, when we truly delve into sacred scripture, the Holy Bible. There's no accidents, there's no coincidences. And we, we turn to Holy Mother Church, which the Bible itself says is the bulwark and foundation of truth. We learn that in 1 Corinthians, that we're called to be fathers in Christ, just as St. Paul was called to be fathers 
a father in Christ. Priests, when they say their yes, share in the fatherhood of God the Father, helping to discipline, helping to lead, helping to guide all the children, special sons and daughters, precious sons and daughters, that the Father entrusts to them as their flock, as their parish, and me as a father here on earth. God's entrusted me not just to the birth and the adopted children, but also to those men and women, no matter their age, that I'm called to be a a vessel of God the Father in sharing in his fatherhood to help lead and direct people towards home, the heavenly reality of the eternal exchange of love. So again, call no man father, because you have one father in heaven. When you realize that your true father is in heaven, that your earthly father is called to, as imperfectly as some of them are, to reflect that true fatherhood, it's when we really grasp the fact that that father in heaven, he's proud of us. We're his precious sons and daughters. And when we become, as Jesus says, unless you become like one of these little ones, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. When we become his special precious sons and daughters and truly realize that in our hearts, man, Every day is a great adventure. I invite the father along fishing, hunting. I invite him from the bedroom to the boardroom. He can be part of every part of my life. Why? Because that's what he wants in a divine intimacy with me through all parts of my life, just like he was with his son, Jesus. And St. Paul says it best. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So ladies and gentlemen, as precious sons and daughters of the father, invite that along. Invite the father along into every aspect of your life and do it with him, for him, and through him. Ah, it's so good. And right here it says, um, they like being called rabbi. They like the salutation of rabbi. And he says, as for you, do not be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, you're all brothers. And in in the same way you're talking about having one father, Part of that is we need to look at each other as brothers and sisters. It, it, it says you're all brothers. The idea that we're all part of the same family. Like he, he created everybody that you've ever ran into in your entire life, the people who you're going to run into today and the people who you'll run into in the future. He created all of those people in his image. And we need to also have that lens of we are all brothers and sisters. We are all created from the Father who wants an intimate relationship with every single person. So I I think part of this is just a reminder, don't put people into a box. Don't put people into a category of, you don't do things the same way I do. Even, let's take it back to the top, where we started here in in verse 1. The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you. I'll finish the sentence. It says, but do not follow their example. But there's a, there's a, there's a warning in there. Don't put them into the box and think, okay, just because they're not doing everything by example, they have nothing to teach me. They have, I should not honor them, even though they're in this, what it says, the seat of the chair of Moses. If somebody is in that place... I think it's important, don't look at, in this case, the scribes and the Pharisees, who you could say Jesus is rebuking with this statement. He is also saying, therefore, that do and observe all the things, whatever they tell you. 
the warning is there's people who have something that they can have input into your life that would be positive, even though their entire life is not spick and span. And I think there's times where it's easy to put, I'm talking to myself here, we put somebody in a box, we put somebody in a category and say, okay, until you get all of that figured out, then you have the ability to pass on knowledge to me. I think it's important for us to have eyes and ears. Where can I pick up knowledge? Is it from, does does the Lord use people who are broken sometimes to just give you that one nugget that you needed to hear? I think he does. And I think it takes us to be a willing vessel to be open to, whoa, there was a nugget in there. Like there, there was a lot of dirt. There was a lot of muck. There was a lot of mud. It didn't smell good. It didn't look good. But did you see that little nugget of gold that was in there? I need to, I, I need to get something from that. I think that's important for us. Absolutely. And when you point out the chair of Moses, it's fascinating. I don't believe that's found anywhere in the Old Testament, but yet it's found here in the New Testament. And as we in the Catholic Church have broken this open, we come to understand that, you know, it says the scribes and the Pharisees, these are the the leaders of the church back in the day. They right. knew they knew right and left, the Old Testament inside and out. And it says to be obedient because Moses, the chair of Moses meant you were sitting on the seat of authority to the law of God as Moses put it out there. That's right. So today, we, you know, in the Catholic world, we understand that that chair is now the chair of Peter. So Peter, for us, was the first pope. And it's warning us and telling us, look, you're going to have popes, you're going to have bishops, you're going to have priests. They're not perfect human beings. They're, they're broken individuals that God has chosen, you know, as he's chosen all throughout the Bible, that they may do things, actions, outside of what is correct biblically. Right. They're human beings. They're sinners. Every one of them. It's a reality. So don't do and what the, and look at what they're doing. However, when they sit in the chair of Peter, and this is what I love about Holy Mother Church, the Bible again expressly says the bulwark and foundation of truth is the church. When when the Pope sits on the chair of Peter and he gives an authoritative decree, it is truth blended into the reality and the truth of the Bible that we hold to. And for 2,000 years, the truth that the Catholic Church has pronounced from that chair in birth or in um, life begins at conception, in marriages between one man and one woman, all of these truths, they can't be changed. They are truths passed down by God to us in and through the sacred scriptures that then from the chair of Peter, the Pope pronounces. But again, he's a human being. He's going to make mistakes just as the Pharisees and the and the scribes did there. But again, for me, that's what I love about Holy Mother Church and going to the catechism of the Catholic Church. Man, if I want to know full truth, if I want to know, I don't want to have to discern for myself and I guess what's right. I want to know truth. So for me, thank you, Father, for entrusting us with this incredible gift of the Catholic faith, with this incredible gift of the teaching authority of the popes down through the generations that has allowed this church to truly light the world with your truths and not back down, fold, or speak untruths from that chair. Thank you, Father. That's so good. Part of it is being under authority, right? Because yeah. it, yeah. it says, therefore do and observe all things whatsoever yes. they tell you. What is the therefore, therefore? It, th- therefore is is there because it says they're on the seat. 
they're on the seat of the chair of Moses. Therefore, because of this, because they're in a place of authority, you need to be you need to be in the right relationship there. It doesn't say, well, it, I'll finish the sentence again, but do not follow their example. It's okay to honor somebody in authority at the same time, use your discernment to say, okay, they're walking down a path that I'm not willing to walk down, but I'm still going to have a level of honor for them. And like in the same way, it says, honor your father and mother. For a lot of people, that's a tough statement because there's brokenness, there's trauma, there's wounds, there's abuse, there's just a lot of bad things. We can still honor our parents, but we don't have to walk in their exact footsteps in ways where our discernment has showed us that's not the way to do it. So I think part of, yeah, part of it is just that alignment. And if you need help with those things, I know I have needed help with those things over time. Talk to, talk to somebody about it or talk to God about it. He loves talking about those things. He loves showing us and giving us direction. Um, yeah, but, but I would encourage you to find somebody to help unpack that if, if, if you struggle with some of those things. Absolutely. And again, I think another piece of this is all about pride. Man, we got to be so careful because pride will absolutely take you down. You know, and this can go to bishops, priests, a pope, can go to anybody, you know, a business leader, you know, anybody, that little seed of pride gets in there and it starts to grow. And what it grows is actually cataracts over your spiritual eyes because it becomes about you. And it's a wicked, wicked seed. So we got to be careful not to do what we do for our own self-glory and and really guard against pride. So the other day, I love a God story. And uh, so I was out pheasant hunting. Love it, my friends. Beautiful. And we're out. And man, I shot like three birds in a row, three, three cockbirds. This was awesome. But nobody complimented me. So guess what I did? <laughs> I said, hey, guys, did you see those shots? They were pretty good, right? <laughs> I was bragging on me. You, you Come on, if they're not going to notice it, I'm going to tell them about it. So I did that. Now, this is how God works in my life. The rest of the day, I missed every bird that flew. And when I shared this with one of my spiritual directors, he said, David, do you realize the Lord was showing you that you, were, you had pride started to grow in your heart? And he wanted to show you by that example, you need to confess it. You need to ask for the grace and mercy for God the Father to forgive you. And I went, oh my goodness, I was blind to it, but I could then see it in this situation, in that situation. Whoo, thank you, Lord. Everything we go through is meant for a purpose. Ask God why. I'll give you another God story. Last night I flew home. We were out with Dr. James Dobson out in Colorado Springs, and we went and visited kids and grandkids. I can get home till one in the morning. So we get home, we get the car, we're driving home, and I got this hunger for an apple fritter from Wawa with all that icing and a chocolate milk. I'm like, this is awesome. I can't <laughs> wait to get it. It's about going on midnight. I was like so excited, like a little kid. So I pull into Wawa, man, and they've got them dripping in icing, love it, and a chocolate milk. Get out of the car, start down the road, go to get my first sip of the chocolate milk after my first bite of the, of the apple fritter. I dropped the bottle onto the floor, down by my feet, and the entire bottle of chocolate milk pours out to the bottom of my, my 
my feet all over. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't even get a sip. So I eventually found a place to pull over. I eventually got the, the, the mat out, got the chocolate milk out. I'm like, I didn't say anything, although I wanted to say, you know what, Father? This isn't funny. You know how much I wanted the chocolate milk. You know how thirsty I was for it. I'm not happy. I, I wanted to go there, but through the grace of God, I didn't. So now I'm driving home. And when I get on Route 30 now and I'm heading home, all of a sudden I recognize there's, a, there's an erratic driver in front of me. In fact, to the point where he almost was causing accidents. So I called nine, had my wife call 911. And I stayed on that call describing every milepost as they alerted police to get up on the 283 to stop this man. He was stopping in the middle of the road. He was going left and right, almost hit the guardrail, almost hit other cars. It was unbelievable as we stayed back, put our four ways on the whole way until finally we passed the cop that was waiting and he realized I was the car following him and the cop went up, got this guy pulled over. Who, through the grace of God, it, it came to an end. Then this morning when I woke up, the Lord said, you had a question why you dropped the chocolate milk. Perhaps I needed to slow you down so that you would be just in time to help save that person's life and the lives of other people as I needed you there to make that call and do what you did. And I wept because you know what? He was right. It's why it happened. It was so traumatic watching this unfold in front of me. I couldn't stop it. But had I not dropped the chocolate milk, I would have not pulled over. I would have not been on time to be directly behind this car. So ladies and gentlemen, God wants to use each and every one of us each and every day. We just slow down and don't get mad at things. There's a purpose. Ask God and listen and be those instruments of his mercy, his compassion, his healing, his help for someone in need. That's so good. Wow. And you... Um... You're referencing that this is also about pride. Um, just recently, I was talking with somebody about pride because there's a balance. How do we know? Well, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. When you do a good job of something and somebody compliments you on that, there's like a, a feeling of joy that it comes in with that. It's like, hey, you if you're a musician... Wow, that was that was an amazing performance that you just did or 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 put together. Or if you yeah, a good business deal um wh whatever it would be. When you get a compliment for something or, or just opening a door or giving an encouraging word, like it could be anything. When you have uh when you have those things come and joy comes in, how do we know what the difference is between it being a, a good thing or a bad thing? And when I say bad thing, like letting pride creep in. And I think one of the floodgates that needs to be remained open in our hearts is the idea of gratitude. The idea of, you know, it's like you do something great and somebody, you know, like you're, you're referencing in your pheasant hunting story... <laughs> It does feel good, right? And I think it's crucially important, like our kids are young, we want them to hear from us, hey, I'm proud of you for doing that. I'm, I'm, it brought me joy to see you go for that audition or those things. Like, I think that is a crucial part of their development. But 
I also need to do a good job of teaching them remain in a, in a posture in your heart of gratitude. Because when we take that on, it, you can have, here's two sides. You can either receive that as, yeah, you're right. I'm the man. I'm good. Yeah. I'm, oh yeah. I need to pat my back a little more. You know what? I need to tell some other people about this so they can, they can know how great I am. Or do we have the other side, which would be, wow, thank you, Lord, for the talent to play that instrument. Thank you, Lord, for showing me and identifying the person that needed encouragement that day and then using me as an instrument to speak into their life. Like that, I'm grateful to be a part of that. And I think if gratitude is there, pride doesn't have a chance to sit and marinate and and rest on our heart. If If we're continually giving that back to, wow, thank you. It was a joy to be a part of that. You know what? I, I know that I brought some answers into that conversation, but Lord, I am just in awe that you even put me into that conversation. So I think it's important to have the understanding of, I think it's good for me to compliment my kids. I think it's good for me to tell my kids, I'm proud of you, or you should be proud of yourself. That I think there's some wisdom in that, but also... It has to go hand in hand, like two sides of the same coin. You have to keep the gratitude turned on. You have to be in that posture of gratefulness that you get to be a part of it, not that you're so great that you caused it. That's beautiful. And you know, it's right here. Whoever, this is me in the pheasant hunting, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Well, let me tell you what, <laughs> missing every one of the birds after that, I was humbled. But what the father wants to do is to use others to give you those words of, of affirmation, those words of, you did a good job, that was a great shot. Right. Those are okay, right. because it says, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Right. And you know, I used to have a problem with that. When people would say to me, hey, that's great what you did, what you said, what you I would turn my head to the left and I'd put my hands up and I'd say, no, 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 it wasn't me, it was God. It wasn't me, it was God. So somebody helped me and said, David, do you realize you're rejecting the gift that God wants to give you through that person for your obedience in what you did, in what you said. You need to receive the gift from them and not reject it, and then give the credit to God. It changed my whole perspective because it was a false humility. Oh, no, no, not me, not me. And instead, I need to, I open up now and I receive the gift. Oh, thank you very much. You know, God does these things through me and I'm just so grateful he chooses to use me. Now you're setting an example and you're helping them learn that God does want to use us to be his hands, his feet, his voices, everything. And so for me, that that learning lesson, I hope everybody else picks up on, receive the gift that a person wants to give you, and then give that honor to God. And don't be afraid to do that, because again, for me, it was very difficult to have people say things that were kind about me, because I didn't like myself. And I kind of hated myself, in fact, during a period of my time, well, remember the scripture verse, love others as you love yourself? Yep. So if I hated myself, how am I doing with others? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I I have a similar story, and I'll just share kind of quickly. I remember when I was younger, there was there was a, a lady, she put on a performance, she was singing, and it was it was so good. It was like beautiful. And afterwards, we got to be in an area where 
you know, people were seeing her and, you know, just saying hi, shaking hands, getting pictures or something like that. And there was, there was this guy who was ahead of us and he said, that performance was marvelous. And she said, oh, that wasn't me. You know, that, that was the Lord. And he said, it wasn't that good. It was, it, he said, don't get me wrong. I mean, if it were Jesus on stage, let's, let's just have an understanding. It, it would have been on a different level. I'm complimenting you because what you did was good. And what you need to hear is... Boom. And, it, and I remember watching that, and I'm grateful I got to be a, a part yeah. of that conversation. But how many times do we do things where... You're right. It's like, oh, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. It's like, actually, you know what? If that was Jesus, I bet he could have turned it up a notch. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. So it, I, I think that's, again, a heart posture of, yes, it was him working through us. Yes, it was him giving us those talents. Yes, it was prompting us through the power of the Holy Spirit to do this or do that. But at the same time, understand he wants co-laborers. He wants people to come alongside of his plans and, and, and carry these things out. I, I think it's, I think it comes in a time of reflection where at the end of the day, we can give it back to him or right afterwards or in private where we say, Lord, thank you for giving me that skill set, or thank you for putting me there and knowing what to do at the right time. But that, again, is that posture of gratitude that we just talked about. But in the moment, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost an insult to say, oh, it wasn't me, it was him. You, you know, if he, right. if, if he wanted to do it without you, he probably could have done it better than you, but he doesn't want to do all these things without us. He wants us to be a part of it. So he chose, it's like he saw the world and said, okay, this world needs David. This world needs Cameron. This world needs Michael. I, I could do these things without them, but I want them to be a part of it. Yeah. So I'm going to create them here. So they'll be here for then. Yeah. And I think going back to the beginning, we got to be so careful because all eyes are on us. People are watching our actions. You know, we are known by our love. So don't underestimate how many eyes are watching how you handle every situation. So for me, it is, you know, scripture commands us pray without ceasing. And I'm like, well, that's really kind of dumb. You know, you're going to be, you know, doing Hail Marys, Our Fathers. This, that. No, 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 no. Pray without ceasing means to have that constant open communication with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, let me have ears to hear. Let me have a heart to respond with love. And Father, use me as an instrument in the salvation of souls. God bless each and every one of you. We were created to be world changers. Let's change this world for the Lord. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, 
is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.